Thanks for joining us on the Father's House Podcast, where we are leading people into a growing relationship with Jesus. Want to learn more about us? Check us out online at thefathershouse.com. We'd love to stay connected. Now, let's go to this week's message. Hey, hey! Woo! How y'all doing? Don't, uh, don't tell Pastor Terry this, but I am his friend. Um, I have known this couple for, we figured it out this morning, it's about 21 years, 20, a little over 21, I think, because your daughter was pregnant with your granddaughter, who's 21, and uh, when they went to Africa, South Africa, and so we've been friends a long time, and we're growing up together. We're not growing old together, we're growing up together. Our wives should be amen in that. Um, <laughs> So I love your pastors. I know you love your pastors. Why don't you let your pastors know how much you love them? Come on, let them know how much you love them. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, we, we, we love one another. We hold each other accountable. We ask each other the tough questions. And uh, I want to make sure we're going to finish strong. We've been walking strong, but we're going to finish strong. And uh, I do want to say what a great testimony. What a, what a fantastic testimony. And, and uh, touched my heart. really did. And and uh, I, I, I can say that you look pretty cool as a wrestler, but, but I like you better now. Yeah, I mean, you look, you look you're older, you're better, you're better now. And, and uh, they are a fantastic family. I've had the joy of getting to know them now in the last couple of years, and they are fantastic. What a great story of God turning lives around and uh, fantastic. Uh, and I, I do want to say to those joining us online, your extended family community, I know there's those that can't be here, whether they're working or on vacation or they're at home for some reason. Hopefully it's not just a habit because there's no place like the house, right? But we do welcome them. Let them know they're welcome here as well. Yeah. And uh, I, I know that I, I said this earlier to Thurman. Uh, I said, thank you for... Uh, the, the new nickname, and I thank the Father's House for welcoming Uncle Kevin. <laughs> to, it's funny, a lot of places we go, call me Uncle Kevin, and that's kind of, I must, I must be that familiar crazy uncle or something. But, um, and above all, other than Jesus Christ, my wife, she's with us. She is my best friend. I love you, and uh, she is the best thing that's happened to my life outside of Jesus himself. Do me a favor, stand to your feet if you would. Let's go to prayer. Let's pray over the word. And uh, this will be the last time I have you stand up. I promise you that. But let's say this together. Everybody just begin to pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you. We know it's anointed and it's appointed. We pray, God, that you would anoint our ears and appoint us to hear what's necessary in our lives. Those things that we need, Father, let us, let us receive that freely, God. We give you the praise in Jesus' name. I'm going to say amen. Stand up just for a moment. I want to reference the scripture as you're standing here. It is. It's in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12. And it says, for we are not fighting against flesh and blood. We are not fighting against flesh and blood, but we are fighting. Come on. We are not fighting against flesh and blood, but we are fighting. Everyone say, I'm in a fight. Look at somebody else and say, you are in a fight. Now, in the best voice possible, everyone say, let's get ready to rumble. Give someone a high five or a hug, and you may be seated. (laughs) We know the enemy. We know the enemy of our life. Every day, the forces of hell are hunting us down. We know that he's walking and prowling about, seeking whom he may devour. And we know that those who are ready, those who are in the fight, come on, if we're prepared, we shall not and will not be devoured. Amen? 
And so I want to I talk about that. That's actually going to be the title of our message today, Let's Get Ready to Rumble. And I want you to open your Bibles, if you would, to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Just place a marker there so you can listen and, and move on with me, because we're going to reference 2 Corinthians chapter 4 throughout the next few minutes that we are together. And I think it's vitally important that we understand, according to the Word, that the Word is our source of life. Um, and let me just say this, if you, if you want something that's really going to cheer you up today, go to my Instagram page, uh, Pastor Kevin Goff. When you get there, don't go to my regular page, just go to the story. In other words, hit my picture in the front left, top left corner. Yesterday, Pastor Terry, it was one of the greatest moments of my life in a long time. He decided that we needed to stop eating gas, and as we stopped to get gas is when the rain came. And he decided not to give up. He stayed in the fight and filled the truck up. But he was the wettest I've ever seen anyone in my life. So I filmed it. I had to just put it on Instagram because it was one of the funniest things I've seen in a long time. But he stayed with the fight. Uh, on my Facebook page uh, yesterday, I posted, or the day before, I posted about the Bible. How reading the Bible, studying the Bible makes a difference. That if you study the Bible once a week, including coming to church and having the pastor say, open your Bibles together, uh, it don't really make much of, of a difference. If you study it twice a week, it doesn't make much of, of a difference. They've proven now, if you study it a third time for the week, that it'll start to make some uh, behavior modifications. You'll begin to see a slight change. But something dramatic happens when you study it on the fourth day of the week. All of a sudden, there's a major change in depression. There's a major change in in, in anger. There's a major change in habits and hang-ups. There's a major change in life, in divorce, and all those things when you study the Bible. Come on, everyone say the Bible. And so we don't just say you need to re read your Bible because we're going to get a bonus at the end of the year. That doesn't change our pay structure. It's because it's good for you. It's good for your life. It is the source of life. Amen? Amen. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. I'm going to start reading verses 8 through 10. It says, we are pressed on every side by troubles, but we are not crushed. And we say pressed. pressed. And we say not crushed. Come on, play along. And we say pressed. And we say, not crushed. We are perplexed, but we're not driven to despair. We are hunted down, but never abandoned by God. Isn't that good to know? That we're being hunted down, but we are never abandoned. He will never leave us. He will never forsake us. He will be with us even to the end of this age. We get knocked down, but we get back up again. Come on, everyone say, we get knocked down. Everyone say, get back up again. We get knocked down, but we are not destroyed. Through suffering, our bodies continue to share in the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be seen in our bodies. What's he saying? Look, we want you to understand that although we're being beat up, although life is tough, we want you to see us getting beat up. We want you to see our problems because it represents, as you see us in our weakness, the strength of who he is. That even in our weakness, his strength. Strength is made perfect. I might. 
So I know a man, you have to understand this, I, I know a lot of Christians think to yourself, how come I'm going through this? I love God, I serve God, I'm a Christian, why am I being hit so hard? Let me say it to you this way, you are taking some of the hits you're taking because you are a Christian. That before you knew God, he had you, the enemy had you where he wanted you. The enemy had you where he needed you. You were not a threat to the power of darkness, but once you come to light, you become an enemy. Come on, you become an enemy enemy to darkness. Now he's going to attack you. Now he's going to come against you. Now he wants to pull you down. But here's the good news. Greater is he that's within me than he that's within the world. As I started to say, I know a man who knows this language quite well, raised in an alcoholic's home. Um, he, his first memory of his father is peeking through a closet door, watching his father beat his mother. He watched as his older brother and his father would fight like cats and dogs. And as the older brother left home, the attention of the father turned on to the younger son. And the father would beat the younger son, even busting some of the teeth in his mouth. As this young man grew up and he moved away, he became married. He married a woman who became his wife and steadily also became his enemy. Come on, anyone ever been in those shoes? Uh, they became pastors of a church. He had an immoral failure in his lifetime. During that time, he was diagnosed manic depressive bipolar. Uh, God restored them, restored his health, restored their life. They started another church four months into that church. They had an accident that killed their nine-year-old twin son. Some of you may be thinking, you know this man, and some of you know I was that man. This was my life. This, was this, this is a fast snapshot that some of you have heard about. Some of you might not know about. In fact, first service, some, some came up and said, this is what I'm going through now. And if you're hearing you're going through that, what I'm telling you is the hit you've taken. The hits you've had. Those, no matter how hard they are, there's a purpose behind the hits we take. There's a reason that's taking place within our life. Amen? 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 11, the first part says this. Yes, we live under constant danger of death because we serve Jesus. It's because we serve Jesus we live under some of these threats. This, this, this is the purpose. Listen, so that the life of Jesus will be evident in our dying bodies. So we live in the face of death, but this has resulted in eternal life for you. I love that. The what I'm going through. What you're walking through, the very purpose of us being strong, the very purpose of us staying tenacious, the very purpose of, of us continuing to stay in the fight is it results in eternal life for others who are watching us go through our struggles. So for the next little while we're together, I want to talk about how to respond to hard hits in life. How do we respond? What should be the response? What are some of the steps that we can take? Here's the first one. Write it down. Stay in the fight. Come on, everyone say, stay in the fight. Second Corinthians chapter 4, the first part of verse 13 says this. Paul says, but we continue to preach. Everything I've been through, shipwrecked, knocked in the head, left for dead, snake bitten, everything that Paul had been through, he said, we continue to fight. I always say that no matter what you're going through or what hit you're taking, God is always there and he has a way of letting you know he's there. I call them taps on your shoulder. In, in some of our darkest moments, we've felt God's tap on our shoulder saying, it's okay, I'm right here with you. For instance, when our nine-year-old twin son, Brandon, was killed, when we first started our church, I had just begun a two-part series called The Coming of God, or The Coming of Jesus, and The Family Reunion in Heaven. 
I, I don't really ever teach on the rapture or heaven, but for some reason at that moment, I decided that would be what God wanted us to do. So I taught on the coming of the Lord, and we went to youth camp, and we were there serving, and the next week, that next Tuesday, our son was killed in an automobile accident. As we came back, I came back about five or six weeks later, healed up physically, healing up somewhat emotionally. The first service back as a church was the family reunion in heaven. It was a magnificent service. It was a fantastic presence of God. But more than that, it was like God saw what was coming. God saw what we, we, we were walking through. And he let us know, I'm here. I want you to know I saw it. And I want you to know I've never left you. I am with you. Come on, y'all with me. It's exciting to me when God does things like that because it tells us exactly that he is with us. Uh, we have two locations in Phoenix. We also have a location in Oklahoma City. Uh, the location in Oklahoma City is rather large. It's 64 acres and 64,000 square feet of buildings. And, um, you know, we were new and we were in town. I decided I wanted to go to the church by myself and I wanted to spend some time in the office. And as I got to my office door, I looked at the key ring they gave me and it had key after key after key after key after key after key after key, all these keys. And so I decided to go through the external door to my office. And as I got to the door, I realized I did not know which key it was. So I tried the first key. I tried the next key. I tried the next key. I tried the next key. Come on. How many can see where this is going? And it was the very last key that opened the door. Come on, y'all with me? So the, the thing I'm trying to say to you is, no matter what you're going through, no matter how many times you've been hit, don't give up. Don't throw in the towel. Sometimes it is the last key. It's often the last key that opens the door to what God is going to give you. Amen? As Paul said, we must continue to preach. We must continue to believe even in the face of adversity. Here's the second thing I want you to know. Take action immediately. Take action immediately. The worst whooping I ever got in my life really wasn't from my father. It was from when I was a teenager. I was in school one day and I got into a little scuffle on the, on the, on the, you know, on the break time. And as we got into a scuffle, this, this other teenager looked at me and said, you meet me at the peach orchard after school. Well, in my school, that meant that you're getting ready to have a, you know, you're getting ready to have a fight. You're, you're invited out to this thing that's going to be an altercation. Well, in my mind, I thought, no big deal. We're going to go out there. We're going we're to start shoving one another. Other kids are going to jump in and break it up. And, and so when I got out there and I started to shove, he decided he was going to hit me right in the nose. Not only he hit me in the nose, he knocked me down and he crawled on top of me and just began to whoop me. Anyone, ever, anyone else ever take a whooping like that? About three of us guys are honest in church. Anyone here ever take a whooping like that? Be honest, you're in church. I mean, we, we've done it. And, and so I was walking home, and my, my, my older brother, his friend, was Danny Bell, was standing out, and he said, Little Goth, that's what they called me back then because I wasn't as big as I am now. <laughs> and he said, Little Goth, come here, because I had blood down my shirt and blood on my face. He said, What happened to you? I said, so-and-so invited me to the peach orchard, and we went out there, and he hit me in the nose, and he just beat me up, and he said, you let somebody else hit you first, and you were invited to the fight? He said, come with me, and we looked for that young man. He said, little golf's going to fight you again. How many knows this time it was a little bit of a different fight? 
So what I'm trying to say to you is some Christians sit back and they wonder why they're weak. They wonder why they're hurting. They wonder why they're in pain and they're allowing themselves to take the first hit from the enemy. And you've been warned. You've been invited into this fight as a born again believer. It's not a shoving match. It's a war. It's a fight. Everyone say, let's get ready to rumble. Come on, y'all. I think we have to see that. Look at this in 2 Corinthians 4, 13. The second part says, because we have the same kind of faith the psalmist had when he said, I believed in God, so I spoke. Maybe the hits have come one after the other. Maybe you're feeling like your legs are a little weak. That's what happens to boxers and fighters is their legs give out. Let me just tell you this. This, this fight we're in, it's not the same kind of fight. It's not the same type of aggression. What it is, it's the war of words. While your legs may be tired, you may be tired in your, your body, I'm telling you, you have a mouth. And this battle that we're in, it's the word of God that we use. It's the two-edged sword that cuts coming and going. You speak the word of God to your enemy. You don't wait till the enemy brings you the fight. You get yourself loaded up with the word of God. You get yourself filled up with the word of God. When you got the word of God as your weapon, you got the word of God as your sword, you take the fight to them. Can you say amen. I think that's very, very important. Maybe the hits have made you feel that way, but you've got the fight in you. We must never allow the fear of being knocked down to keep us from the fight. And even after you've been knocked down, here it is, number three, get back in the fight for the benefit of others. Get back in the fight for the benefit of others. Everyone say others. God isn't interested in making you comfortable He's interested in making us shine. See, say it again. God isn't interested in making us comfortable. God is interested in making us shine. God never promises in the Bible that we're never going to have problems. He never says we're going to sit back in some type of spiritual lazy boy, easy chair, and, and take it easy for the rest of our life. But there are scripture in the Bible, scripture after scripture, that tells us he wants us to shine. He wants us to be a witness, all right? Now look at this. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 14 and 15. We know that God, who raised the Lord Jesus, will also raise us with Jesus and present us to himself together with you. All of this is for your benefit. All of this is for what? Everyone say, your benefit. Paul's saying, what I'm going through, part of the reason I keep walking is because I know you're watching. I'm walking while you're watching. As you watch me walk, it builds your faith for your benefit. I stay in the fight because it encourages you and it strengthens you. You'll notice one thing about a fight, whether it's a boxing match or wrestling, they're, they're, they have it in rounds. And it's not so the judges have it easier at the end. It's also so those fighters can catch their breath. It's so that the corner can encourage them. It's, it's so they can give them words to say in this next round, here's your strategy. You got this in you. You've got the fight. You just stay in there. And, and Paul's saying the same thing. I want you to understand that I'm in this fight and I'm in it for the benefit of who you are. Because you're watching. It's this fight that I want to encourage you in. I want to say to you, I know you've been hit hard. But come on, you can take a licking and keep on ticking. Hey, Amen. I think it's important. I, I think this next part is so great. It says all this for your benefit. And as God's grace reaches more and more people, there will be great thanksgiving and God will receive more and more glory. 
Now, if I were to ask you to do something to fill in the blank of this next sentence, I want you to think about it. And, and, and it would be, this would be it. I will get back in the fight for blank. Fill in the blank for your life. I will get back in the fight for blank. For me, in my life, there was a time it was for my boys. I will get back in the fight for Austin and Bryant. I will get back in the fight for my boys because I was going through such darkness at the time that I was contemplating ending my life. That for three days, I sat with a loaded gun in my mouth trying to find the courage to pull the trigger. But I kept thinking to myself, my boys will have to deal with this for the rest of their life. And the final night, that third night that I was out in the darkness by myself and that thought kept me there. I was filling in that blank, my boys, my boys, my boys. I was driving home and as I drove across a bridge, the thought came to me almost like an audible voice that said, if you just drove off this bridge, it would look like an accident and they wouldn't know you ended your life. And it shook me to my core. That's when I knew I was in a fight for my life. I was in a spiritual battle. And, and I decided then, you know what? I have to fight for my life. Let me tell you a cool story. My wife and I bought a home about 19 months ago in a neighborhood we knew we wanted to live in. We, we kind of felt that's where we wanted to retire eventually. Uh, we were going to build our final home, our resting place, our, our custom home. And I said to her, before we do, I'm not sure you're going to like driving out that far because it's in the foothills above Phoenix. And I said, let's buy a house there first. Let's see what you think about the drive. And then, if you don't mind it, we'll buy the land and we'll build our final place. So we bought the home. And some months ago, I was talking to my wife in the evening. And we were kind of walking around the lake. And I said to her, tell me how you feel about living out here. Tell me how you feel about the drive. And she said, oh, Kevin, I love it. Every time I drive in from the city and I cross the bridge and we, I come out here, it feels like I come into my sanctuary. And you might say, what's the point? Well, here's the point. That same bridge that she crosses is the bridge I drove her across when I contemplated losing my life 30 years ago. So where I thought life was over and I thought life was going to end, God is saying, look, I restore all things. This is now the path to your sanctuary because you stayed in the fight, because you filled in the blank, because you stayed with it. I've got you. You're on your way to your sanctuary. Not the end, but the future that I have for you. Come on, y'all with me. And, and, and to me, it just spoke volumes of who God is in my life, that he knows the beginning from the end. He knows all things. And, and that's not just a cool story. That's the truth of our life. Last year in our churches, in all three locations and online, we had over 800 people give their heart to God, confess Jesus Christ. Thank God we didn't give up. Thank God our boys have a father and a mother that loves us. Thank God we have a family unit that's been restored. But it's more than that. Ultimately, we got to get back in the fight for the purpose of God, for God himself. He's given you breath. He's given you life. And because of that, he's given you purpose. And we get back in the fight for him. Matthew chapter 5, verses 14 through 16 says this, you are a light that shines for the world to see. You are like a city built on a hill that cannot be hidden. People don't hide a lamp under a bowl. They put it on a lampstand. Then the light shines for everyone in the house. In the same way, you should be a light for other people. Live so they see the good things you do and praise your Father in heaven. Yes. So ultimately, we get back in the fight because of the purpose of God in our life. 
The fourth thing I want you to see is this. We must, we must allow God to renew us through the Holy Spirit. We must allow God to renew us through the Holy Spirit. The, these bodies of ours, I don't know if you know this or not, but they're breaking down. I have pains right now that should not be pains. I don't even know how I got these pains. It doesn't take much anymore to get these pains. Last Wednesday, we had two of our grandchildren along with my son and his wife over, and our family went to a pool there in our community. It's a great pool, splash pad, slides. The kids love it, and, and it's G-Paw. They call me G-Paw because I'm too young to be a grandpa. And so, G-Paw, first thing, you got to race me down the slide. I'm thinking, oh, Jesus. <laughs> got to race you down the slide, nine-year-old ball of energy. And so I did. And then, again, G-Paw, I did. Again, G-Paw. I'm like, okay. So my son, 36 years old, he's in the pool with them, and we're having fun hanging out. Now we're, he's flipping the girls over, a nine-year-old and a five-year-old, and backflips, and just throwing them out of the water. And about the sixth or eighth or tenth time he did that, he flipped the girl over. I went, welcome to the club. (laughs) Not that I want that for him, but the bottom line is these bodies are decaying. Guys, you're going to have pains as you get older in places you never had pains before. (laughs) I got got a stone bruise on the bottom of my foot that hurts so bad right now, and I don't know how it happened. Ladies, gravity's going to take over. You can fight it, you can nip it, you can tuck it, you can do whatever you want. <laughs> but eventually, gravity's going to take over. Except for my wife, she's gotten the fountain of youth, thank God. L- look at this. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, 16 and 17. That is why we never give up. Though our bodies are dying, though our bodies are dying, we never give up white because we have that blank filled in ultimately for God's purpose. That is why we never give up. Though our bodies are dying, our spirits are being renewed every day. I was told as a young pastor when I started my first church, I was 23, and hence the divorce. But anyway, as, as I was told, when you become 50 or 60, you're going to lose your energy. You're going to slow down. Well, I'll be 60 next year, and I feel like I'm grabbing another gear. I got more speed than ever. Come on, y'all with me? But my body says, slow down. My mind says, you can do it. Look, at for our present troubles are small and won't last very long. Everyone look at me. Your present troubles are small. No, you don't know how big it is. No, but I know how big God is. And if you want to compare your troubles to something, don't compare it to someone else's troubles. Compare it how big your God is. Quit telling your God how big your problem is and start telling your problems how big your God is. They're small. And guess what? They won't last very long. Feels like a long time, but it's not very long because... They produce for us a glory that vastly outweighs them and will last forever. Earth life is short. Eternity is long. The main point here is that God uses us as fragile vessels to carry a positive, powerful truth. That God is the one that produces the overcoming power we have. 
All the suffering that Paul experienced was tough. It left scars. He did become discouraged at times. From outward appearance, he must have looked fragile because of the way he wrote. Maybe some of the people in Corinthians even said to him, Paul, what are you doing? Why do you keep doing this to yourself? Why don't you stop and focus on yourself for a while? But Paul said and insisted, I am not going to give up. Right? He wants his readers to know, although my body's decaying, my focus is greater than ever. Inwardly, come on, I am being renewed day by day. Come on, ever say day by day. Being renewed inwardly inside our lives begins by being renewed in our minds. It's the renewal of our minds. That's why Proverbs 23, 7 says, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. If you want to think depressing thoughts, angry thoughts, negative thoughts, fearful thoughts, that's who you're going to become. So if, you, if you're going to do anything about your life, you're going to change. You're going to have to begin to change in your thoughts. Romans chapter 12, verse 2 proves that we can develop beliefs not formed by the world, but formed by the word. And I'm going to read the message paraphrase. It says, don't become so well adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. Everyone say, fix your attention on God. I wonder how many of you have praised God this, this, this week uh, compared to how many times you complained about gas prices. I wonder, I wonder how many times this week you produce the joy of the Lord in your life instead of some joy when you saw your least favorite politician make a failure. I wonder where our focus has been lately. Because it's so easy if we're not careful to be formed after the custom of our world and our daily problems and our difficulties and our political landscape and our divisions and all the things the world's talking about. Sometimes maybe you should turn the television off and open your Bible. Amen? Look at someone and say, turn off the news. <laughs> Look at this. Readily recognize. Look, you'll be changed. Fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what he wants from you and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity. God brings the best out of you, develops well-formed maturity in you. I love that. If we want to change our lives, we must change our minds. Brings me to my last point, number five. We must focus on our prize to deal with our pain. We must focus on our prize to deal with our pain. Let, let me say a couple of things here. Starve your distractions and feed your focus. Starve your distractions and feed your focus. Or we could say it like this. Starve your doubts and feed your faith. Uh, there's an old saying that says, doubt knocked on the door of faith, opened it, and no one was there. Yeah. There's so many ways we could address this, but the bottom line is somehow we've got to keep our eyes on the prize to deal with this temporary pain that we're experiencing. Um, speaking of ways, I have a system, uh, an app I downloaded on my phone called Waze, W-A-Z-E. It's a map. Some of you are probably familiar with Waze. Um, I downloaded this voice. It's a Marine sergeant who tells me all the time the directions I should go. And he's the only one that's scarier than my wife when she tells me where to go. Um, 
that didn't quite sound right, I know, but. But he has this one command that just gets me all amped up. I just, it just jacks me up, right? And that is if I miss a turn, he says, in 500 feet, make a U-turn. This time, let's take the fight to them. Ooh. And I'm going to be honest. Lately, recently, my U-turns have become fairly aggressive. <laughs> my wife's like up against the door in the window. What are you doing? I said, I'm taking the fight to them. <laughs> uh, it, it just gets me going. But, but it, it just it reminds me in my Christianity and our spiritual walk that sometimes maybe we're feeling weak in our faith because we're allowing them to take the fight to us when we should be taking the fight to them. We have an opponent, as we mentioned, that's hunting us down every day, and we're allowing them to bring the fight to us. And I will say this to you. Maybe you can say, I've kind of gotten off path. Maybe you can say, I've missed an off-ramp where I should have taken, or an on-ramp I should have taken. What I'm going to say to you is, make your first legal U-turn, and this time, take the fight to them. Come on, look at someone and say, take the fight to them. Years ago, um, I had some precancerous spots in my face they were a little concerned with. So I went through this procedure where they burned off the top seven layers of my, my flesh. Yeah, it was, it was quite fun. And as I was going through the procedure and they got close around my nose and mouth area, it was just unbearable. I mean, it was just tears that condemned my face. Well, you don't need, to, you don't need tears. I'm like, I don't want you. It hurts the procedure. I don't care. This hurts. And so my wife is standing there, and she's holding my hand. She goes, Kevin, you need to just take your mind somewhere else. Take it to a place that's calming. I don't know where my mind went. Probably some beach, somewhere. <laughs> but it shocked them because in about two minutes' time, I was asleep and snoring. And trust me, when I say I was snoring, you know I was asleep. When I snore, you know I'm asleep because the whole city knows I'm asleep. Pastor Terry said, hey, amen. <laughs> I noticed when I stay at their house, they turn their noisemaker up really loud at night. <laughs> Y'all going to make sure you see that video on my, on my Instagram. I had the prize in mind to deal with the pain. I had in my mind something that was better, something that was, you know, calming, something that was a promise to deal with the pain. Jesus did the exact same thing. It's not a principle of some psychobabble psychologist. When Jesus was going to the cross, the Bible said he endured the cross, despising the shame for the joy that was set before him. He looked at the future and said, wait, there's a prize I have. I'm going to endure the cross, despise the shame for this joy. And the joy was you and I. He saw many sons and daughters being born of God. So he endured the cross. Despising the shame for the joy that was set before him, he endured the pain. Yes, Second Corinthians, as I close, chapter 4, verse 18. So we don't look at the troubles we can see now. Rather, we fix our gaze on things that cannot be seen. For the things we see now will soon be gone, but the things we cannot see will last forever. Come on, everyone say Forever. Come on, everyone say forever. Forever, forever ever? Come on, Frankie, you with me now? Um, I heard this story of 
a man that's walking through the forest and he finds an eagle, a little eaglet by itself, out of the nest, mother not around, so he takes the eagle to, to the farm with him. He takes the little eaglet and he puts it in the chicken coop with the chickens. The chicken coop is full of other birds, so this bird sees their actions and becomes like them. He's picking the food. He's not flying. So one day an ornithologist, it's a specialist in birds. I just want to use the word because it's a five-syllable word. It makes me sound really smart. So this ornithologist comes by and he says, why is the king of all birds cooped up with a bunch of chickens in your farm? The man explains the story. But this, or, this man, he says to the farmer, he's still an eagle. He still knows how to fly. So he takes the eagle and he lifts the eagle up and he says, you're the king of all birds. You were created to soar. Flap your wings and fly. And he lets go and the bird just falls. And once again, he's down pecking with the chickens. So he takes the bird and he takes him up to the top of the barn. He lifts him up and says, you're an eagle. You're created to soar. Flap your wings and fly. And he let go and the bird jumped down. He jumped off the roof of the barn, went right down to the chickens. And there he was pecking again. The farmer said, he's no longer an eagle. He's now a chicken. So the man got frustrated and he took the eagle up to top of a mountain away from the barn, away from the farm, away from the chickens. He lifted the eagle up and he said, you're the king of all birds. You're an eagle. You're created to soar. Flap your wings and fly. And he held him up. They said the eagle looked around and began to tremble a bit and began to flap his wings. And all of a sudden he took off and just soared among the clouds. Now, we don't know if the eagle ever went back to the barn. Maybe he went back and revisited flying over with nostalgia. But we do know the eagle never showed back up to be a chicken. So what I'm saying to you is, you've been told by God, in this life you live, <laughs> you're called into a fight. And the scripture says, they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. So what I'm saying to you today is, you're in a fight don't be a chicken. Everyone say, let's get ready to rumble. Can I pray for you just for a moment? Father, I pray for every individual that's here right now. God, I pray that they would begin to see the grace you have for them. Lord, that they'd begin to see the immense love you have in your heart concerning their lives. That their days, Lord, their days are numbered by you, that you've brought them to life and into life with purpose. God, that although they may be taking hits, they may be going through a fight, they may be in a battle, you see them. You'll strengthen them if they'll just turn to you. Now, with heads are bowed, eyes are closed, people are praying just for a moment, a couple of private questions. First one is simple this, for those of you here and those even online, if, if you've been in the middle of battle, you're born again, you know you're a Christian, you know you're going to heaven, your life with God is good, but as I was talking today, the Holy Spirit maybe brought some revelation, enlightened you in a few areas where maybe you've been taking some first hits. 
Maybe you've been focused on the wrong things. Maybe you've become a little bit negative in your disposition. Maybe you've not considered that you're an eagle among a bunch of chickens in this world. And if you're here and that's you, although you're born again, and you can tell the Holy Spirit's dealing with you, you need to make some alterations, some adjustments. You need to mature in some of these areas. Nothing wrong with that. There's no shame in that. So if that's you and you want prayer and a way of asking for prayer, come on, just slip your hand up and right back down. Just slip, good, good. Right up, right back down. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you, you can put them right back down. Thank you, you can put them right back down. Thank you, thank you, young man. Thank you. Father, I pray for every individual that said, right now, I need to make some alterations. I need to make some changes. God, I pray that this word would become life to them. I pray that this word would inspire them to know that you've created them to be a winner. You created them with great hope of the future to come. You created them to take the fight to the world, to the enemy, not to let the enemy in the world bring the fight to them. God, that they'll get on the offensive, that they'll realize greater is he that's within them. You are greater than anything that'll ever come against them. Father, don't let them leave like they came in Jesus' name. In the coming days, weeks, months, and years, remind them of this moment. Here's, here's a second question. Once again, heads bowed, eyes closed. Maybe you're hearing you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord. Maybe you went to church as a child or you were baptized as a baby or you're a good person. Those are not entrances into heaven. So if you're here or online, it doesn't matter. I'm speaking to everyone. Those things don't get you to heaven. The Bible says that all of us have sinned and we've come short of God's best. Because man fell, man sinned, sin passed through all of us, and sin separates us from God, so we were born separated from God. The Bible goes on to say, without the shedding of blood, there's no forgiveness for sins. That's why Jesus came to earth in the form of a man. Born of a virgin, he lived a perfect life, never knowing sin. At the end of his life, they led him to a cross where he laid his life down, spilling his blood. His blood doesn't just cover sin. His blood obliterates sin, past, present, and future. But three days later, he rose from the dead, conquering sin and death because he loved us that much. The book of Romans says this. Now, this is salvation, so listen carefully. If you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, and you believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. What does that mean to be saved? Well, first of all, it means saved from an empty life in this earth, that void, that chasm, that emptiness you've possessed in your heart. Maybe through the years you've tried to fill it with drugs or alcohol, parties, relationships, business, money, career, hobbies, busyness, but you still feel empty. You still say there must be more to life than this. Well, there is, but it's not something. It's someone. His name is Jesus. He's the only one that can fill that void. Secondly, it means saved into a place called heaven. When this life ends, eternity begins. It's either heaven or hell. Your first, your last breath on earth could be your first breath in heaven. But you must be born again through Jesus Christ. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one goes to the Father which is in heaven but by me. I'm not trying to scare you. Hell wasn't created for you. I'm not trying to tell you about hell. I'm trying to tell you about heaven. Heaven's a perfect place. No more sickness, no more disease, no more pain. Love, joy, peace, and the presence of Jesus with those that you love and those you're influenced to go with you but only through Jesus. So while heads are bowed, eyes are closed, people are praying. I'm not going to have you stand up. I'm not going to call you forward. I'm not going to put a spotlight on you in any way. But whether you're here, if you're online, and you know you need Jesus Christ, 
as as these others already have. Come on, just slip your hand up and write back down saying, pray for me. I need to make Jesus. God bless you. God bless you. Come on, is there someone else? Lift your hand up, write back down saying, pray for me. God bless you. Yes, you can put it right back down. Thank you, ma'am. Thank you, young man. Someone else, you just slip it up and say, Pastor Kevin, that's me. Pray for me. I need Jesus. God bless you, ma'am. I appreciate that. God bless you. Thank you so much. There's five. Is there someone else? You just slip your hand up and join these. Say, Pastor Kevin, that's me. I want to give my life to God. Today's the day I changed my life. God bless you. God bless you. Amen. Anyone else? All right. I'm going to pray this prayer. Those of you who lifted your hand, I'm going to ask you to do one thing with me, and that is to repeat this prayer after me out loud. Not by yourself. Everyone here that is born again, I'm going to ask you, if you would, to say this prayer with them. This is the prayer of confessing Jesus. Those at home, those watching, this is the prayer you can pray as well. Let's pray together. Father, come on, everyone together. Father, I believe in Jesus. I believe he's your son. I believe he died on the cross. He was buried and rose again. Jesus, I confess you now as my Lord, my Savior. Forgive me for my sin. Make me new. From this day forward, I place my life completely in your hands. I place myself in a local church to learn more of you. That through greater knowledge of who you are, I will grow in deeper love with you. In Jesus' name. Come on, welcome these to the family of God. It's our honor to play a small part in all that God is doing in your life. We would love to continue with you on that journey. To find out what your next steps might be, visit thefathershouse.com slash next. Join us next week as we continue to love God, help people, and build the kingdom.